This podcast is for adults only. Content covers BDSM, kink, fetish, and adult sexuality. This type of content may be triggering for some, and we urge you to put your mental health first when considering if it's suitable for you. All activities discussed on this podcast are between enthusiastically consenting adults. BDSM and kink activities carry safety risks, and we do not endorse activities mentioned on this podcast as right for your personal circumstances. We recommend self-education and engagement with community as appropriate ways to begin your real-world kink journey after you finish listening to this podcast. This is your extreme cheesiness warning. We are very cheesy people, and if you're not comfortable with that, this podcast is not for you. Hey, Oz, what do you call cheese without a cracker? What do you call cheese without a cracker? Cracker lacking. Welcome to Help I Think I'm Kinky. I'm Oz. And I'm Prez. We're Australian lifestyle kinksters and along with our kinky friends, we're here to help you get started on your kinky journey. In this first season of Help I Think I'm Kinky, our goal is to promote kink-aware inspiration, education and a sense of community. We share a variety of perspectives and voices and some of the conversations that happen behind closed doors. Last episode, we covered what our kinky friends wished they'd known before they started exploring, and they shared fantastic advice for if they were starting out now. We've received lots of feedback uh, on how you relate to their thoughts and experiences, and we can't wait to hear more. In this episode, we'll be hearing from our kinky friends about how they incorporate kink into their lives and tackling that very scary topic of how to approach people for play. We also have a special guest who will lift the leather mask for us on what really goes on at a kink club. All aboard! First stop, our kinky travellers are back to talk about how they incorporate kink into their lives and how important it is to them. My name is Pretty Please. My name is Rose. I use the pronouns she and her. I'm Mon. I'm he, him. I'm 31. My job is basically maths and spreadsheets. That's as much info as I'll give. Um, I am 32 and I work in healthcare. I am 22 and my occupation is a student with way too many part-time jobs. Hi, I am Kitty. Uh, my pronouns are she, uh, her. Nancy Lixit. She, her. 38. Creator of Smart. Hi, I am Sen and I'm Susan Death XO on FetLife. My pronouns are she and her. I'm in my late 20s and I am a full-time student. I'm 29 years old and I work as a nurse. Kink is really important to me because it makes me feel more confident in who I am. Um, it makes me feel confident in my body and how I look because I have somebody who is quite... Um, expressive about what they enjoy about me whether it's my body or who I am as a person Um, and that really does bring me quite a lot of confidence I feel like that has impacted me quite positively because it just it's changed everything it's changed how I interact with 
other people. It's changed how I feel about how competent I am at things. Um, it's made me feel like I can do things as opposed to what I used to feel like, which was quite self-conscious and negative about who I was as a person. Um, I primarily create content for FetLife, um, like photos and videos and things like that. I do take a fair amount of time um, like dressing up and taking photos and stuff like that. Um, I am very active in like messaging like that sort of online um, communication with like my dom and even like friends and stuff like that who are in the community. Um, I like to organize sessions with my dom relatively regularly just to sort of get together and still feel that sense of like intensity and like importance in their life. Um, I do also plan things with other people who are in the community, whether it's like for an impact session or like rope play and stuff like that as well. Kink is important to me, but I also have a family, therefore I get my kink on when I can. (laughs) Um, I crave it and it's definitely something that I need. Impact, like heavy impact kind of, I need that once every few months or I get this just, this angry craving for it. Um, Yeah, power exchange is something that is incorporated kind of weekly into my life, whether it's just a little bit or a lot of it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I need. I explore, um, with my partner, um, and with my friends, we have a lovely group of friends and I occasionally go out to events and, and will do public play with one of my friends. My partner is, um, more private in, in that space. So yeah, public play with friends. I think most things are planned in advance, but if I am around my dominant and we're just hanging out and it's just us, then we do engage in things together a lot of the time um even if it's like at a party or something like that the people who I do things with we do generally (laughs) like at the end of the night something may occur something may not occur um yeah it's I think a bit of both like spontaneity is really good but also it's that feeling of planning something and oh this is approaching like it's so exciting like it's coming sort of thing is really important too my entire social life is kink except for one vanilla best friend who I've had since early uni days. Otherwise, oh yeah. Otherwise, yeah, my whole social life has just kind of ended up as kink because it there's often like so many kink events going on that there's not time to find other things to go to. And then you, even when you go to like vanilla stuff, it's just like, oh, um, how do I socialize and like <laughs> talk to people about things? And, and it's just like, it's so much easier than not trying to figure out the question, if I meet someone, how do I, event- and I'm interested in, how do I eventually broach that question? Kink is really important. Um, it's easily the fa- my most favourite aspect of my life. Um, there was a period of time where I was moving home and I wasn't able to do anything kinky for about a month. And then was feeling pretty miserable and then I got back to classes and realised how much I had missed this part of my life. I had almost forgotten that it was such a big part of my life and it just felt so wonderful to be home and around my people and I really hope that kink is a huge part of my life forever because it is something that just makes me feel so warm and happy. I'd say it's pretty important. It's a really fun aspect of my life that I enjoy. 
Um, it's a really nice way to like explore myself. Um, like playing with my sub, for example, I I didn't know that I could be dominant. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea that I could do a bunch of things. Uh, I didn't even know that I was into so many <laughs> different things. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a really um, like positive aspect of my life. Um, you know, being able to share my my things on fat life and stuff like my it's really helped with body confidence as well. Um, but it just yeah, it just brings me so much joy uh, having these like special experiences with people that I love. Um, and yeah, like when I play with my sub, you know, it's always like a big. I'm going to say event because we hire an Airbnb and we go for a night and do our thing. And um, so it's like a little holiday <laughs> as well, which is really nice. I really enjoy that. It's usually somewhere near the beach. So that's nice. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, with my partner, we just, um, we've been trying to, yeah, develop a bit more of a uh, um, dynamic, which has been, it's been fun. And we've had a lot of discussions Unfortunately, we're both very busy people, but we're we're starting to work on a bit more of a like a, a dom sub um, uh, dynamic. Uh, so we're going to try and like sort of like what I do with my sub, like allocate a day and a time, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, when it, however often we decide, um, and just make that like part of our our like everyday sort of thing. Um, and make it a bit more routine so we can have time to explore these things with each other. Yeah. I mean, kink is very important to me. I mean, I would live it. If I could live it 100% of the time and I could be the dominant 100% of the time, I would. But I have a family and I have, you know, the vanilla things that come with that. And that is basically my only restriction. All of my partners understand and, you know, my restriction comes from the vanilla world and needing to be present in it because, you know, I'm quite straightforward about who I am and I kind of find that, uh, you know, that honesty is quite confronting to a lot of people. Um, And I, you know, I like to be approached honestly and respectfully, but I understand that there are a lot of people who, you know, the kink world is their shadow which is different to me. (laughs) Isn't it interesting just how important kink is to everyone? It's not just a nice to have, it's very much a must have and they're integrating it in their lives as much as they possibly can. They find it a really positive aspect and they find ways to prioritise. I love that Rose said that she gets an angry craving. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> misses it when life gets in the way. I could really relate to that. Yeah, I we've made a list of all the positive words that people have used in those uh, interviews that we we uh, conducted, and uh, things like you know people describing it like their home and my people and feeling warm and happy or feeling joy and and describing the special experiences that they've had. Uh, there's this sense of acceptance of themselves acceptance by others uh, and we even heard uh, a couple of mentions actually of uh, that that kink is a way to explore themselves and uh, experience some form of self-growth we heard that play was planned and unplanned it could be with a romantic 
or a relationship partner, but it could also be with friends. And I think this point's worth mentioning because it relates back to what we were discussing in our last episode about meeting people and the importance of establishing a connection. It's like that meme, BDSM is like fight club, except the first rule of BDSM is you talk about everything. (laughs) (laughs) You need to know people in order to communicate comfortably about what you're interested in doing and, you know, for example, your limits and also to have a proper negotiation. It's a vulnerable conversation. Nancy mentioned that kink could be someone's shadow, Oz. What do you think that means? Look, um... Often kinks a hidden part of someone's identity, maybe something they think is shameful or that they feel being judged about. Uh, Being outed can be a massive fear and concern for a lot of people in the scene. Kink's controversial. We've talked about some of the public stereotypes around kink and there's a reason why many people want to remain or uh, maintain some sense of anonymity around their engagement in the scene or they're selective about who they disclose this aspect of themselves with. Mm. For lots of us, delving into why we like what we like can bring up inner conflict that might be scary to address. The side that we see as dark can be the shadow. So, for example, the idea of enjoying giving pain, even to someone who's fully consenting and enjoying receiving, could bring to mind concerns about whether you're an abuser or somehow damaged as a person. It might feel easier to hide than to talk about and examine what's really going on for you. That's why ongoing self-education is so critical. As well as engaging with community, there are some really excellent books on kink and BDSM you can read from others who have travelled down this road. And we definitely support having a counsellor or a psychologist you can talk to to help you unravel your inner workings. The forms of kink play that we've heard described in our conversations so far are featured in one-off scenarios, ongoing play with people and also in more developed relationship dynamics. Hey Prez, what are your favourite forms of play? For me, I like to feel a mix of fear and excitement and I love when there's been a creative and collaborative element to the planning. It's such a fun experience to share these things with each other and with friends and if it's in public with the people who enjoy watching. There's also the small daily elements of our dynamic, which you could describe as play, little rituals and private kinky play, even if it's just you testing out a new whip on your lunch break. (laughs) What about you, Oz? What are your favourite forms of play? I want to get my whip out now. Um, Well, I really enjoy having fun with people that I am connected with and Usually there are evil and sadistic elements to that. Yeah. I love being in a space where my energy and that of the those that I'm playing with creates this experience, a moment where our interactions feel wonderful and these become shared memories. You and I have had some wonderful experiences that we can look back on, especially when we have photos, props and other toys from the different play that we've been involved in. So Oz, how would you approach someone you wanted to play with? Well, funny you should mention this. We asked our kinky travel companions that very question. Here is what they said. As a bottom, pre-approaching someone, I would have liked to have seen them play with others. Um, Notice some plays that or styles that they do that I would like to try and share with them. Um, And sort of come 
come to this person with an idea of what I really would want. And then approaching them, I would probably say something like, hi, my name is Pretty Please and I've seen you play recently and I saw you do this. I was wondering if you were interested in playing together one time. These are the things I would be interested in. You, If the conversation progresses further in terms of that they are also interested, you can talk about any previous experience you've had. Um, if you have any people you've played with recently who could perhaps provide a reference. To approach someone I would be interested in topping, it would basically be something pretty similar in that I would, usually it's based on play I've seen them do or, you know, it could even be photos of scenes that they've put on FET or something like that. Um, Yeah, just a similar sort of open discussion in terms of, um, yeah, what what you wanted to do, ideas you might have. If you're interested in doing stuff with someone, you just ask, hey, do you want to do this thing? It's like, like say, if it's rope, it's like, hey, um, would you want to be tied up like tonight or at the next event? I'm assuming you say hello first. Oh, well, I'm going... <laughs> I'm going from the assumption that, you know, you've had a conversation or two with them before. <laughs> I mean, you could just go walk up to someone and cold, do you want to get tied up? And there's a chance it could work, but it's probably better to say hello first for <laughs> Only There's only been one time where I haven't been the initiator of do you want to do things? So that's a hard question for me to answer. Um, I suppose I'd do it... I suppose for me, I'd say the same way that I just said to approach people, just, hey, do you want to do this thing? Um, I honestly don't really know. <laughs> the thought of me approaching someone for kinky play is intimidating. Um... I, I, with all of my experiences so far, I've been the one that has been approached. So, um, yeah, but for someone to approach me though, like I have to know them. I have to like, uh, you know, if someone just messages me and like, Hey, you're cool. Want to play? No. (laughs) Um, yeah. The only people that I have played with have either been like long time, long term friends or, um, people that I've been chatting with for quite a while and that I've um, gotten to know quite well online before meeting them or doing anything with them and um, yeah it's, it's again it's always just sort of happened naturally like we're just chatting about whatever and then things evolve and then eventually they've just been like oh do you, would you like to try this and it's like oh yeah <laughs> that sounds like fun you seem cool <laughs> yeah I would approach somebody, uh, I would message them on FetLife. <laughs> That's how I've really done things in the past. Like I went to an event and I saw somebody um, in a scene who I thought was really interesting and could really sort of be somebody that I had done things with too. Um, so I messaged them. I said, hey, uh, would you like to do something? <laughs> because that's what I was interested in. Um, they are quite um, 
I wouldn't say popular in the community, but they're somebody who is, I guess, respected. Um, I vetted them. That's obviously really important too. Um, but yeah, I think just being respectful is really important. And that's how I would want to be approached as well. I definitely would not want to be approached by somebody I don't know who's somebody I haven't talked to before. I think that that is really off-putting and it makes me very uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I think developing a rapport with me is definitely very important before proposing any sort of play or anything. Because I'm very straightforward and honest, I like to be approached with that. Um, being the domino that I am, that needs to come with respect if it's someone coming from a submissive point of view. Um, and I guess I re- it, really, it really annoys me because of how open I am about who I am online and all of my accounts and all of my social media is very honest that if you haven't read any of that and you come at me with a question that could be very easily answered by looking at one of those profiles, I really have no time for you. Um, And I'm not going to make time for you, to be honest. And I also, you know, I mean, I don't want to brag about it, but everybody kind of knows that the, the dominant position as a femme is kind of, it's top of the food chain in kink. And there are more submissive masks than there are dominant femmes. And so I understand that I'm at the top of the food chain. And I think that does come with, uh, you need to interest me and you need to come at me with some knowledge about who I am and you need to bring something to the table that a regular submissive wouldn't bring. And whether that's a connection that you think you have to me or a game that you think I've never heard of or something interesting. But I, yeah, I really think, you know, if you're in the kink world, you kind of understand that a, a dominant femme is top of the food chain and that it's really difficult to find matching partners. I know that sounds like a brag, but, you know, my... DMs are filled up with boys who want me to play with them and if you're not interesting and you've not read my profile and you're just coming for it I'm not interested you know prove to me that you deserve the game (laughs) and so I guess if I'm being approached I want something interesting I want something about you that you think is different to everybody else who's approaching me and I want honesty and I want your darkest kink (laughs) I don't, I've not had an experience where I've thought, oh, I'd really like to play this game. Let's find someone, you know, like I, I'm kind of from the perspective of like, oh, I'd really like to play this game. And then I just open up my messages and I find someone on my DM list who wants to play that game. (laughs) Uh, So talking to someone face to face about kinky play uh, freaks me out. Uh, a little bit, um, even if I would love to talk to someone. Um, I'm more someone who would place an ad on a vet, and I have done in the past. Um, not that you ever really get much from posting ads, but it's kind of good to put it out into the universe and see what happens. As for how I would like to be approached, um, you know, you can talk to me face-to-face at events or online. Please talk to me like I'm a real person, not just a sex doll put on this earth to serve your needs. The the messages that you get from the men on FET are just bizarre and I feel like you would never say things like that to someone face-to-face, so don't send it to me in a message. It's pretty simple. I love this so much. There is such great material here things things that really stood out to me um it's challenging to approach but 
these people have figured out how to do it. Um, developing a rapport first, whether it's online or in person, is really important and having an open discussion. So what Rose said about talk to me like a real person, that's that's relevant for everyone. Um, and Nancy's comment about prove to me that you deserve the game, well, that's about demonstrating what you bring, not just what you want. And I think that should be true for everybody. Um, there was mention there of vetting people and that a lot of people will observe someone playing before they approach to figure out if they like that person's style of play. So be mindful when you're playing, other people are watching. And if you approach someone online, please read their profile first. I can also very much relate to that frustration of being asked things that are written right there. I mean, I went to the effort to write them. Please go to the effort to read them. Um, That shows respect. Definitely talking about play always conjures up images of the playground for me and uh, you know, the, the way that different people play in different ways. There's no one way to do this. That uh, we've seen people engage in all kinds of fun, kinky games. So, uh, but like being in the playground, like being at school again, it can feel a bit like being a kid and asking others to be to do fun things with you and. That's really daunting for a lot of people. Like for some people it comes really easily and for others they really work hard at overcoming some of the anxieties that might be present around that fear of being rejected. And uh, But you know, at the end of the day, it's really worth it. We've seen how much this play means to people and they're determined to do it because it really matters to them. Public play is something that we've heard mentioned throughout our conversations with our kinky companions. We thought we'd invite a special guest who's familiar with this topic. Miss B is one of the amazing team of women who run The Club, which is a dedicated venue for BDSM play events, alternative lifestyle education and community support. Welcome, Miss B, to the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Very, very pleased to be here. Well, we really would love to know... Firstly, how much of a role does kink play in your life? Um, For someone who owns a kink club, probably not as much as people would expect. Um, I keep two two areas of kink very separate, being my personal and public. And like anything in life, when you're talking about personal kink, it ebbs and flows depending on everyone's moods and opportunities, timing, all of that. Um, From a public kink perspective, I'm very... selective about who I publicly play with and I don't get much of an opportunity to do it as much as what I'd like. Um, obviously running the the club means that whenever I'm there I'm in work mode and not so much um, a play mode. It probably pays more of an unusual part in that I spend quite a bit of time doing research and reading because you're always learning to start with, but also running the club, you have to have a bit of an understanding of what's going on in the community. I spend way too much time on FetLife reading posts and what's going on in groups and you know what, what's happening. And that's not just to get in, not to get involved in gossip or drama or anything, but to gauge what's happening, um, what the the mood is like in the community, or is there anything that we need to do from our perspective to um to to help our local people and just for those who may not have been to a kink event or even a venue that is set up for 
uh, kink or BDSM type play. Can you describe a little bit what it's like and uh, what kinds of things happen at these events, especially the ones that you're involved with? Is it just one big orgy, I think is the big question. We often jokingly describe ourselves as the PG version of kink clubs because we close at midnight, we have no alcohol, we have tea and coffee, and um, it doesn't always fit into everyone's idea of what it's – and we don't have loud, you know, thudding music. Um, So most people when they arrive are quite surprised about how – relaxed, I suppose it is. So to describe the club when you first walk in, there's a reception area where you sort of have a bit of a meet and greet and and check in, buy your tickets. We sell tea and coffee, we sell snacks, we sell soft drinks um, in that area before you walk into what we call our main floor. Our big point of difference is we are completely designed around play, um, being kink or BDSM play. We are not a nightclub. We we built the space around the idea of creating a space for people to play. So there's a socialising area with lots of chairs and tables and we have lots of guests who just purely come along to socialise, to have a chat, to connect with like-minded people. They don't necessarily do any activity or play um, when they come to visit us. We have lots of couches around the place, again, for people just to kind of get comfy, sit, watch um, and involve themselves any way they want to. And then the main play area has what we call defined play spaces. So it is literally big squares of carpet that define a space um, that people can can come along and play in. Um, There's lots of scary looking bits of equipment around the place um, from crosses to spanking benches. We also have a medical area for those who might want to engage in anything that resembles blood play or needles um, or even just using massage tables um, for um, wax play or something more, more gentle, actual massage. Sometimes people do do nice things at the club. It's not always nasty. So, I think most people are surprised by how structured it is. It isn't a free-for-all. It's not an orgy. We get a lot of people ask us, am I going to be forced to do anything? I think they have this image. They're going to walk in the door and be be forced into situations that, that they don't consent to or don't agree to. So it's far more structured is the word I would use than people expect when they walk in. Are there any other misconceptions you find in people when they arrive for events? I think a lot of people think it's going to be a lot more intense. And I did hear something that you mentioned in a previous uh, podcast about this idea of these very intense sort of domly types sitting around in their leather and latex. Um, And most of the people are just average people who want to get dressed up or who want to connect with others or come out for some fun, some friendship and to, to play. So the space we hope we create is one that's very friendly and very welcoming. Um, I think anyone who comes along to to our space, especially if they come alone, is so brave. I get how scary it can be because it's such an unknown. So we try to create a space where when people come in, they have a friendly face that that says hi. As you mentioned, we are completely sort of female run. Um, so we try to keep that really casual and warm and relaxed at the at the front when, before we take people through and give them a tour and um, maybe even introduce them to a few friendly faces, some of our regulars, so they can um, have a, a quick chat to people and, and say to them, you know what, it's not unusual on your first night to come in, take a seat on the couch and just take it all in, watch it all. Many people do because there's, you know, so much to to see and it can be a bit overwhelming on your first visit. What would you say would have been uh, front of mind for you when you're designing or running a play space like this? 
we wanted to create a space that we would play in, which is totally selfish. There, there was that really was our, our ultimate goal. So we wanted it to feel, um, again, structured so that you knew where play space was, where socialising space was, that where the med area was. So they were very defined kind of spaces. There's good storage for everyone's bags. Anyone who goes to a kink event will know that uh, people arrive with lots of things. There's big bags of lots of toys and and play equipment. So somewhere to to put all of that. Tables and chairs for people to sit and socialise. We knew that that was going to be a huge aspect of it. Lighting uh, was a weirdly something we spent quite a bit of time on because it's a that sort of strange gap between needing light to see some of the activities that you do and to do them in a safe way, but also being aware that people are often doing it with very little on and as, you know, body friendly as we are and body positive, everyone likes, just know that the lighting's a little bit flattering and that you're not in glaring fluorescent lights. Um, things like baskets of um, blankets because we are a warehouse space so that just naturally comes along with the fact that it's going to be colder in winter so having blankets available um, having couches that are really comfy available and around the place Um, fairy lights because fairy lights always just make a space better there's no doubt about that how would you describe what play is to someone who's never experienced it before when we talk about play, what we're talking about is to, to have a scene with someone that might be two or more people who have sat down and negotiated what they're going to do together for whatever amount of time it is. And I'll talk about it from a club perspective. So within our sort of four walls, they may have met that night, they may have known each other for a long time, um, they may have been negotiating for some time. And then they decide what they're going to do. And obviously, we're not talking in a bigger negotiation. There's lots more negotiation than that that would go on. Um, Then they will literally perform the scene. Um, So they will play together um, um, within the confines of whatever has been negotiated prior to. So there's a very defined pre-negotiation, the play itself when it starts, the finish of play, and then any post-play activities, which might be a hug, which might be a chat, cleaning up, do, doing any of that care that, that has been pre-negotiated. What advice would you give to those starting out uh, in terms of approaching other people for play? Just making friends is a starting point. It's a really good starting point. Don't come in with any expectations. Come in with the idea of meeting people and just chatting. Um, I know once people walk through the doors and they start to see the activities, everyone wants to try everything and I totally understand. But Stand and have a chat to some people. Watch someone play and go, you know what, that is someone I really like the way they play. I want to perhaps experience that. When they're finished playing, go and introduce yourself and say, hey, I loved what you were doing there. Can you tell me a bit about how you learned that or who you play with and get an understanding. Some people will not play with people they don't know. Some will do what we call pickup play, which is someone perhaps they just meet on that night, but chances are they want to know you better than just a a brief conversation. And for your own safety and comfort, you should have more than a brief conversation before you're jumping into play with, with anyone. So getting to know people and then straight out asking. And again, I heard someone else on your podcast say that um, it's a lesson they wish they knew that it's okay to ask. And sometimes you'll get a no and that's okay. It's not 
the worst thing in the world. It's like anything that, you know, you, you're not going to know until you are. So simply going, look, is some, play with me something that you might consider in the future. I'm really keen. Can we have a chat about that and work towards that? And if they say no, don't be offended by it. You don't know their circumstances. Perhaps they don't do any other play besides their primary partner. Um, perhaps they don't want to play with newer people and they have their own personal reasons for doing that. So I think get the friendship happening, get the relationships happening and then start to have a chat about it. Don't just go in assuming. And I think one thing I hear a lot from especially tops who are the ones who are providing the service in a way is they're not, you know, dispensing units. They're they're not there for everyone to go up to and go, hey, I want to get tired. I want to get spanked. You know, everyone needs to have that connection and make it feel right. Thank you so much for your time today. Hopefully we get to talk to you sometime in the future again on the podcast. I would love that. Thank you very much. That's a wrap for today's journey, Kinky Superheroes. Next episode, our kinky friends will be back to chat about times when things went well, when they didn't go to plan, and all about staying safe in kink. Don't forget to keep your uh, kinky superhero drawings coming in. We're looking out for those and sharing them on our Help I Think I'm Kinky Instagram page. Share your drawings and tag us so we can see your creative creations. This week we had a powerful Poseidon, a Jekyll and Hyde style bear, and a princess pin-up pinned down. And Oz, I believe that same bear confirmed they would come out of a tree for a wheel of camembert. If you know, you know. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at help I think I'm kinky, one word, to see these kinky superhero images and to stay up to date with our future episodes. Like and follow on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode and please leave us a glowing review. Thanks again for joining us. And remember, follow your kinky heart, but take your brain with you. I just saw you delivering an amazing spanking. Is there any chance you would like to play with me? Yeah, I'll think about it.